Welcome to the Legendarium. I am your host, Todd Wenty. Hey, Craig's letting me host an episode again. What a wonderful thing. Today, we're going to be going over Cytonic, the latest installment in Brandon Sanderson's uh, Skyward series. And today, we have with me, Ken. Hey. hey. Wave Ken. I, I'm waving. Are I'm, you waving? I'm waving. I'm, I'm looking. I'm waving. <laughs> and we have Stephanie. Hi. And I am so glad that we have the three of us. It feels like forever since we've done an episode. Aspen. The last time that we did an episode was Expanse. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and that was, that ended on such a. A high note. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was an experience. <laughs> well, it's, it's good that we can come back to something slightly more cheerful. It's safe to say it was Maybe. not Stephanie's favorite series. <laughs> well, but hopefully ho- this one's a little bit more. Well, hopefully this one will be more enjoyable. Uh, before we before we dive too deep into the episode, we'll do our regular housekeeping. For those of you that might be new to the podcast, uh, you can reach out to us on thelegendarianpodcast.com. You can find us online. You can find us anywhere you normally find uh, your podcasts through Stitcher, through uh, Podbean, through Apple, uh, through Spotify. I find us on Spotify. I've given up finding us anyplace else. Uh, I can't even find myself anywhere. So, you know, and, but please, in addition to all of that, join us on our, um, our discord server. Yeah. Uh, we have a great community on discord and we love interacting with you folks there. Uh, everybody else interacts more than I do cause I'm just a little bit busy lately, but I do try to make an appearance once in a while. Uh, find us anywhere that you can find us and we will engage with you as well. By the way, if, if you uh, want something a little bit different and need some something fun, the fitness uh, channel on our Discord server. We have a fitness channel? We have a new fitness channel on our I Discord might, server. It is fun. I might and tap it, into that one. It, it, it's Discorders and uh, Legendarium folk talking about what they're doing for activity. Some of our Discord listeners. I feel listeners, like it's really just our listeners and Ken talking about what they're doing. Maybe I need but. to get in there to try and make it a little less Ken. I'm not going to lie. Some It's not even me. Some of our Discord listeners are... Hardcore? Really hardcore. Okay. On, in terms of biking, rowing, yeah, running. They, Very cool. They well, I'll it. feel out of place then. They go at it. Stephanie, will you feel out of place in such a place? I will not go there. So okay. no. Okay. Well, no, there we go. I won't feel out of place. <laughs> when there's a fitness pizza in my mouth channel, I'll be there. And with that said, why don't we go ahead and have Ken give us a, a wrap up on, uh, or a, a recap. A recap. There we go. A recap on uh, Cytonic. Ken, All right. Take it away. Blue flight. Fall in. Nerf herders on the buttons. There's Crim Spackle over there talking in the mic. Crim Spackle. And wow. new blue flight member. So. As an SEW, so thank you. A I needle pulling it. thread. That's all... just going to be it. Like it's going to be call sign. So so a needle pulling thread. <laughs> so... <laughs> Gosh, this... I kind of I kind of derailed you on that this one. Derailed didn't I? faster than usual. <laughs> Who had thirty I'm s- seconds? I'm sensing a theme for the show. <laughs> uh, time has passed since precocious defiant defense force wonder pilot and blossoming cytonic Jedi Knight Spencer Nightshade saved an enclave uh, of her mortal enemies from their own foisted petard. I don't know what it means. It just sounded clever when I wrote it at two thirty in the morning. Foisted petard. Petard. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, we don't actually know how much time has passed because time works differently in the nowhere. And she stands as the warrior at the gate, halter rampaging Delver attack in the, on the superiority by taking the demon down and pops it and her over into nowhere land, where we find very quickly that Delverland is really not as scary as our collective imagination led us to believe. She basically steps into the shattered plains of Roshar, meets some new friends, which is good because her old friends are practically non-existent in this book. She meets Imbot's original pilot, Original pilot, if you're not watching this episode, I hope you could feel my air quotes. Uh, she becomes a pirate and immediately starts to lose the memory of those closest to her, but problems of the morally gray variety arise when the resident Lost Boys try to talk Spin into staying in Nowhere Nowhere Land, and the Delvers offer a truce to let her somewhere friends live if she'll just go away. You can see uh, the appeal. It would allow Spin to lead the life she's always wanted, full of dogfights with toy guns and wandering the land, kind of like Green Day on their Boulevard of Broken Dreams or Sam Elliott in every beef commercial. But Spin... <laughs> Todd, I got Todd. The Sam Elliott line is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I can get Todd, is a good day. But... Spin, you stay over there and laugh. I'm going to just keep going. Okay, keep Spin going. Spin soon comes to her senses when the inevitable Sander dump comes. She recognizes that the Delvers were going to double-cross her all along, and they actually are the evolution of the original AI from the 22nd century. You got to read Defending Elysium, by the way. Um, where did I go? Oh, yeah. Chet is actually the Delver that she befriended a book ago wearing a Chet suit. Imbot is actually an evolved Delver, which is why they have it in form. And Doomslug is just darn adorable. It all leads to the noble sacrifices of Chet Delver and Imbot so that Spencer et al. can get back to the uh, get out of Wonderland where she finds some weirdness in the somewhere that will certainly be important in the next book. I don't really have a lot of questions that we aren't going to go over, but the one question I do have is, uh, so Tolkien was a Delver. Who was the original Delver? I'm guessing it was probably like Plato. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Socrates. I'm just wondering who you thought, you know, Plato, who, who, Socrates, who maybe the original Delver was that we'll throw that out to the listeners. Also, who was the original Delver? Hmm. hmm. That might be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, signing off. Go. Are, I mean, that's almost... Well, in, it, in that case, let's just wrap up there It almost and, leaves me speechless when he does I know, something I that well. I don't know what to say now. Foisted petard is where I kind of <laughs> got stuck. Foisted on their own petard. <laughs> and, then, and, then he's, and then he uses Sam Elliott. So I think... I mean, I'm, I, I literally am trying to recover. Um, what were your... What were your... It says right here, overall impressions... What were your overall impressions of the book, Stephanie? We've already heard Ken's, <laughs> or part of Ken's at least. Um, I liked it. Overall, as the the whole book series, this is probably my least favorite of the books of this one, but I, I like it. I wish I had a little bit more of the outside world in this mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. um, I was reading up on um, just kind of, trying to catch up and get ready for the podcast a half an hour ago and read that <laughs> originally Sanderson kind of was thinking about doing a multi point of view during this book. And I think I might've liked it better if he had, mm -hmm. but now we have the novellas and that's kind of what he, the direction he went with instead. So, which I didn't, I loved the novellas during the same time frame while spin is in the nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of just wish I knew more of the big picture than just hers because as fun as hers is, I didn't feel like it was really driving the overall story forward. It was just a fun book. 
it felt very much like um, if you if you've read the Dresden Files, it felt a lot like Ghost Story, where it's kind of like this palate cleanser slash uh, exposition book that doesn't really it, it's not really exciting it, it, or drive the action forward. It just kind of fills in some holes and sets a little bit of table for when we get back to the real action, which I guess is going to be in Defiant, I think is the fourth book. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I would have loved to have seen anybody else. I mean, really, but but at the same time, I feel like that was the point is that, OK, let's let's clear some stuff up with Spensa, give her a chance to uh, go to, to Cytonic finishing school and, and juice up her powers a little bit, uh, you know, and, and then we'll get her back to the real world, which is where she ends up in, in the end. But it it all feels very. I don't know if transitory is the right word. It just, it feels very placeholder. Yeah. A little bit. It, it felt like it was, felt like it was Dagobah from the Empire Strikes Back. But instead of Dagobah as these little vignettes, it was an entire movie of vignette. <laughs> um, and, and I just, I, I, I recognize that it was, you know, we did answer some really critical questions, but I, 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 I didn't not in, enjoy the book. Um, I, I, I liked it enough, but it wasn't one that I was saying to myself, boy, I'm really looking forward to, to kind of going back and pulling, pulling this apart and looking for some stuff. I, I read it once and I was like, okay, well, let's move forward, please. I'm ready for the rest. I actually thought that this was going to be one of those books that was going to be split in half and half was going to be in the nowhere. And then she was going to come back with her knowledge gleaned mm. from the nowhere and kick some serious bot. Oh yeah. And I didn't get that. I was kind of, when I realized that all that was going to happen was she was just going to get out of the nowhere at the end of this book. I was like, okay, that was not what I was expecting. So yeah, it was a long book for, I felt what could have been a story told in a lot shorter amount of time. Like I almost wish I got a, a book and this was the novella. I yeah. agree. Like I agree. give me spins version in the novella, which would have, been weird on the overall thing but i don't know how they all came out because i think the novellas came out before cytonic right yes they did i read cytonic first and then i read the other two novellas oh okay and that got me more excited for what's coming now because i think if i ended on cytonic i'd be like oh well if i have to wait 12 more years to get another book from this series from Sanderson. I, uh, that's fine. Like, okay, I'll probably forget. But Most with, but with the novellas, I'm excited. I was way more excited to continue the story. Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, you never have to wait very long for another book from Sanderson. Yeah. But, so that's not a problem, but another one from the series <laughs> might be a little yeah, while. It's, well, the, it's we'll the series you need to wait for. I don't know if he needs a good palate cleanser in between actual books. He'll just write <laughs> this one. I, <laughs> Oh, what you, so are what you saying does. that Skyward is the palate cleanser I, for Way of Kings? I'm saying that Skyward is the palate cleanser for us for reading Way of Kings. I don't know <laughs> if it's necessarily his palate cleanser for writing it. It feels like it, it feels like a series that he writes kind of as a as a writing exercise in between real stories. I and that's not to I don't want to say that as saying this is not a real series because it feels very real. I mean, it's a it's a young adult series, so maybe it doesn't feel as epic. Yeah. yeah, and it's not as epic. So I don't, I don't, I'm trying to backtrack now because I feel like, <laughs> well, I feel like I unintentionally disparage. Yeah, yeah, I unintentionally disparage this entire series, which it's not. Uh, this series is, is fantastic. 
Um, but it, it's it's smaller. It's not an epic fantasy series, and so it's an easy read. Personally, I want to go back through and read Cytonic again because as much as I felt like it wasn't it didn't carry the weight of the first two books. I, there are several questions in there and several points that I found very interesting that I want to go back and look at again, such as, uh, for example, Imbot yeah. hmm. being, you know, an evolved Delver basically. It's like, uh, and Chet was one of the original Delvers all of a sudden uh, spoilers, by the way, it's been a while since it came out. So I think we're safe. To I, say think we're spoilers, safe. But I think anybody, I, anybody, anybody who listens to us or listening yeah. to us. So, yeah. Anyway, but we I mean, just we, put a big spoiler alert at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Which you should say that. It, it pretty Maybe much. I'll mention that. To, we'll fix it in post. But, <laughs> but, but basically, we get that we get the same customary uh, Sanderson info dump in the third act. And all of a sudden we have all these things that we find out like uh, Delvers were original AI and Embod is a Delver and and all of these things. And then there are these pieces of all of this stuff that's, uh, that Spencer can do that. Other Cytonics probably can't do, and and or or they can eventually do, but she can just do them better. Basically, there's a lot to unpack after we really get into it, and so at first I go, yeah, this isn't this isn't that big of a book, but then it's like, oh yeah, I now I see a lot of stuff. As far as the as as far as the pieces of uh, information that we're getting combined with the novellas. Um, finding out about the different kinds of cytonic powers because we we really only discover like two or like like two additional powers. One of them, the ability to lengthen life, we find mm -hmm. out about because um, uh, Chet, the original Chet, the real Chet, <laughs> did that for a long time. Um, not as not as long as we were believing, but for a right. for a very long time. And Spence's ability to. Um, to listen to the stars, to connect to a star-like power, mm -hmm. um, yeah. very different than the rest of the Cytonic powers. Um, but when we find out about Mind Blades in one of the novellas, um, that if we find out if we find out about that in Redon, um, where uh, the one character can throw bolts of energy with their mind that can yeah. destroy yeah. things in the physical world, and when we learn that. And, and that you should not squeeze a red and black <laughs> slug because you're going to wind up having your face covered with toilet paper from like looking like you've shaved your own face off. Yes. Um, you know, we, we do get a glimpse that there's a lot more that could have been done. You know, like, uh, again, I, I go back to it, like the Dagobah training scene, you know, you, you could have learned a lot more, Luke, before you left. Well, I, I feel like Spencer could have learned a lot more. Uh, about how to use her cytonic powers, but we've pulled her out and we've given some of that to some other characters. Yeah. I At first when I was reading that, I was like, I'm not sure if I like that. I kind of wanted Spencer to be more powerful. I wanted, I, I'm used to the idea of this, of the main character that we're following being the one that has the, the, the driving force. But as I thought about it more and more, I really like the idea that this has become a very ensemble group. Um, it's not just Spence's story. It's becoming the story of these other characters and their other skill sets. So I kind of liked that. Uh, I, I still feel like it took us a long time to get there. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, I kind of like that as a perspective. I like the novellas for fleshing that out. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you say, it kind of gives us some other characters that have some importance. Most of the series feels like Spencer and her, uh, 
sidekicks, you know, the sidekicks of Spencer and, and stuff, which I guess isn't every book kind of that way when yeah. it's, when it's uh, central around one point of view, but it, it's fun to see all of these other pieces and how they work. For example, the slugs doom slug. We find out when they travel through the nowhere and only which we find out how, do, how do we want to, I don't know how we want to, uh, craft this so that we talk about the novellas versus cytonic but however you'd like ken um, you started the process all right <laughs> well we, we find out in cytonic that or not in cytonic we find out in sunreach yeah. Sun that there are different types of slugs for different types of cytonic activity and the yellow and blue slugs the doom slugs are are the are the uh um, the hyper jumpers yeah. the hyper jumpers yes and so we find out in cytonic that doom slug and basically the the hyper jump slugs hide as items, inanimate yeah, objects yeah. in the nowhere so that they can escape the Delver uh, eyes because the Delvers don't like them either, which is interesting to find out after two books and two novellas, you know, that it's, oh, as long as you have a slug, you can jump through the nowhere without attracting the attention of the Delvers, which is is something that is is concerning through the previous books. And right. now we find out why. And so, again, it's one of those things that this is just kind of fleshing out the universe and, and showing us what it's about. But I don't it, know where I'm going with that. It, <laughs> it feels if it, it feels like all of us have kind of identified the same thing. This gave us some good information, but maybe it could have been done a little more quickly or it could have been done in conjunction with a little more action, a little more driving of the primary ideas behind the behind the series without spending quite so much time wandering around. You said the Shattered Plains. I say Dagobah, you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. It kind of works out the same. Um, Neverland, Wonderland. It's, it's, That's it's kind of, the, I got the feeling. It's, it's more of a very same. Peter Pan kind of yeah. book uh, where she she needs to go there to live out her childhood fantasies of the dog fighting without the risk of losing. Because that's always been a big weight on her and her battles is yeah. that she always fears about losing people yep. and what that does to her mentally to try and continue moving forward with what she knows that she has to do. So to be in this adventure place of her dreams, I can understand, especially at the very end when she's given the option to stay. Yeah. What a big deal and what a big choice that would have to be for her to be like, oh, well, I can just live out as a child and be one of those lost boys doing what she loves or she has to decide, no, I'm going to go back. I'm going to grow up. It felt very Peter Pan-esque. Yeah. To me in that, especially listening to Ken's. I don't think I put those two together until Ken was until he did it. Yeah. Doing, giving his recap and mentioned Neverland. And I was like, oh, yeah, I yeah, definitely there is a definite connection between those two kind of stories where her in the end, Spencer decides to leave, go home. She grows up. And I think this was an important journey for her to have. Yeah. Because she also realizes the importance of her friends the importance of teamwork. I think before she felt so much of that weight on her own shoulders, like I have to do this. I have to be the one that saves my friends. It's my responsibility, even though as she's not the one in charge, cause that's Jorgen, like she's not the, the leader, but I think she personally just felt that responsibility of putting everything right. Well, yeah. at the end of this book, I feel like she's finally going to come home realizing it's not all she doesn't have to do it alone. Yeah. That she has these this fantastic group of people that she can learn from, she can teach, and there's a lot more teamwork in that, which I'd love when you were talking about the different cytonic abilities, 
and that the fact that Spin doesn't have them all, that there are other people with stronger abilities that she can learn from. And what a what a uh, a nice way of connecting a little bit of reality. Uh, I mean, I realize we're talking about a science fiction story and all those kinds of things, but what a nice impact. None of us in in the lives that we lead are sufficient to solve all of the problems mm-hmm. that we face. We need each other and we need other individuals, whether those whether those people are people that are in our lives for a period of time and then they're gone or they're in our lives for the rest of our lives. We need help. We need, all need others. And this was a nice, this book did a nice job of setting up that kind of a process for Spencer to discover. Um, the other thing that I found really interesting about this, and Stephanie, you mentioned she can teach. She has a, Brandon Sanderson has set her up with a skill of being able to help mm. others develop skills. Um, I have, having been a teacher for years and years, uh, decades now, I, I, I understand, I, I appreciate that that is a unique skill. Um, sometimes we say every anybody can do it. You know, who if you can't do it, then you're going to be a teacher. Well, that's yeah, not necessarily true. Teach. No. Yeah, yeah I, and I've heard that a number of times. And every time I do, I want to punch somebody in the face. Um, that's a different story. Uh, but uh, my anger management issues. Maybe we need an anger management channel on Discord. Uh, but uh, Spencer discovers uh, nicely. Partly because Chet helps her discover. Is it Chet that she oh, has no, that it's, conversation with it's, about teaching? Um, Chet and she has a conversation, has a conversation about being, becoming a teacher. I believe it's with Chet. She has that conversation. She has a conversation with Hesho about, but she also has the conversation about with going the, back but, with um, Peg about it as well. Oh, right. They all, right. they all kind of have part of that conversation with her. And uh, as she starts helping the pirates figure out new skills and mm-hmm. techniques and all these different kinds of things, I was like, okay, okay, nice, <laughs> nice job of setting up a flight trainer for yeah. all of the and and eventually, um, in conjunction with uh, with other individuals, probably a cytonic trainer yeah. uh, for this kind of That's a process what I was gonna as say. well. It, is is this the natural progression? It seems like every book we've got spend taking a trainer role. Like yeah. in, in the last one, she has to teach these misfits from the superiority how to fly. Now she's got to teach these pirates how to fly. So next book it's going to be now she's got to teach these these uh, fledgling cytonics how to cytonic, you know. And yeah. Here here she is every book she's got to channel her inner cob and figure out how to teach somebody <laughs> something. So it feels um, like that's a very recurring theme through all these books. And I don't know if it's intentional, but so one of the one of the parts of the story that I both enjoyed and was a little frustrated by was the big pirate dogfight scene. Okay. Um, and, and normally I would say, what do you guys think? But I want to, I want to throw this out and see if you guys can convince me that I am absolutely missing the point. (laughs) I felt like that scene was, was thrown in as a, um, as a kind of like splashing in some flavor to say, we're, this is a science fiction series. So let's make sure we keep some space flight and space dogfighting going on in this. Are you talking about the dueling she does yes. at the end? Okay. Yes. I was like, with, where's the big dog fight it's scene? It's the big dog fight with Hesho. Yes, where, it's the duel that she does. Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. And I I kind of felt like I mean, I get I get how it was constructed in the plot to kind of pull everything together and say this is how we're going to beat the superiority and all these different kinds of things, but to throw that in just 
felt like it was a practice about how am I going to, uh, or or maybe a maybe a place to practice Brandon's um, investigation of how to use cytonic abilities, a magic system in conjunction with science fiction. And I found myself thinking, I wonder if this is his place to begin practicing what he's going to do with the sci-fi portion when we get into uh, phase three of Mistborn. Oh. Did either of you, am I completely off base? Did either of you think of that or am well, I just overanalyzing well, stuff again? First of all, the space, the space era is, I'm is going era to tell four. you right now is that, that era four? our era resident four, yeah. Mistborn person over there is saying it's phase four. I, I he, he, Ken corrected me as okay. well. Yeah. I apologize. It's phase four. Yeah. Era three is going to be the modern day. Yeah, we have modern day. Four is going to be the space. Okay, okay. Yeah, I thought we were as modern as we were going to get. So there you go. There we go. It invalidates your entire argument. Sorry. Uh, no, it just changes a number. In that case, no. See, you're wrong. So let's see. What else would you like to talk about? You missed. I'm done. I'll just close my notes down. You missed a comma. Your entire argument is invalid. No, I think I I can't argue with your point. I will say that, but that wasn't something that you picked up on not, and said. It's hmm. not something that I thought was out of place or was thrown in. It's not something that I felt like that because I, I was reading it into the the bigger picture, which was how all of these pirate factions were secretly working together under the nose of the superiority okay. to take down the superiority. You know what I mean? And and it was well using the the toy lasers and everything. Which that alone felt very uh, not real to me. And not like the the situation is we can play pretend all day because we're we have no consequences to our actions. We don't starve to death. Yeah, we don't starve to death. We're not. We don't shoot actually each hurt down. each other. At the end, we go home, and tomorrow we get to do it all again. So it all felt very. All the pirates are playing pretend pirate. You know. And, and everything, which we have covered. We don't need to go over it again, but it showed that even in that there's the bigger, the bigger goal, which is to unify eventually and take down the superiority or, or to take their capture, their little piece of superiority control, which might come in handy next, uh, next book, because I don't, I don't know if it's a prediction or talking about predictions for the future, but here we have now set up when Spencer gets back to, to uh, the somewhere with her devices and her people and everything. And she's got allies now in the nowhere. Yeah. Including a Delver who now they can come together and, and kind of attack from two fronts, the superiority or Winsick's branch of the superiority. That's going to try to use these Delvers to exert control. So now we've, we've got the two, the two fronts basically. Yeah. Well, and we know that the nowhere is definitely going to play a part in the next book because Mbot's still there. Yeah. Yes. She's told that Mbot is still alive, right? But he's still in the nowhere, and she's somewhere along the way going to have to go get him back. Oh or yeah, or figure yeah, out what's going to happen with Mbot, or figure so, out how to communicate with him from her side, and how that's all going to play out. Yep. So for when when we're thinking about major scenes, I mean that scene where Mbot says to Spencer, "Oh." I understand now. <laughs> was that a was that a big impact scene for you guys, or was it kind of one of those where it's like, oh yeah, I see this coming. It's not a big deal. Mostly, that was that for me. It was, like, was it? Yeah, I kind of. You heartless son of a gun. Imbots, 
evolution has kind of been tracking this way anyway. So it's not like it's not like it was a surprise. And I guess it wasn't very emotionally overwhelming because do you have emotions, Ken? I mean, I love peppermint so much. It makes me cry sometimes. Okay, we're done with you. Um <laughs> What I do strangely think, don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> About the fact that he loves peppermint so much he cries yeah. or that <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't I don't believe that. All right. That's, but, that's fine. It's probably untrue anyway. I think it was well set up. Like I still think for me that moment when Mbot makes that sacrifice or what feels like is going to be that sacrifice that I felt emotional about it, but I also didn't feel like it came from nowhere. And I loved the fact that he used that made you look joke that she's been playing on him <laughs> that entire time to get away with it. Yeah. Um, so I, I had an emotion, emotional connection to it. And I don't know, maybe it's also partially because I've had several conversations with my child lately about the whole idea of sacrificing the one for the good of the all kind of thing. And that's obviously exactly what yeah. he did is he had no idea whether he was going to survive that or not. And the fact that he had grown enough as an AI with his emotions and his feelings, I think that's probably one of the, my favorite things about this book. wasn't necessarily Spin's journey, but it's it's Mbot's. I love watching yeah. Mbot from that moment when he makes the decision to rescue her at the end of the first book that Cobb comes in and flies Mbot to save her. And obviously like that was a big mm-hmm. step for Mbot as, as an AI, as, as a character, as a person, whatever you want to call him. He creates a new subroutine. Yeah. To- and so watching his yeah. journey through all of these books is to really where he's like this sentient being. It's, yeah. it's not just a computer program who's re- like programming himself. It's a person who is learning and growing and, mm-hmm on on the fly just as life throws things at him i think he has a especially in this book he has a more interesting journey than spin does i when i would think i I would say so i i i will confess that there might have been a couple of tears that popped into my (laughs) eyes now that i believe at (laughs) at that moment and i and i i think for me it was the idea of volitional sacrifice of the of of an individual making a choice that they know will be not good for them but good for someone else and i think that really is at the heart of of what a lot of humanity is all about and in that moment i i i for me at least that was the transition moment from mbot being uh, a, a fairly predictable character uh, <laughs> with a fairly predictable artificial intelligence, whether it's Brent Spiner playing Data or it's Anthony Daniels playing C-3PO. Um, there are there are characters who have uh, who have an inhumanity about them, and their search is to become human. And in that moment, Mbot gets it, and I maybe it was just because it was cold outside. And I had my windows rolled down because it was really warm in my car. But that was a very touching scene for me. And I really, I, I, while the rest of the book may have felt like a little bit of a plot along the way, I got to that scene and I was like, okay, this is a good enough payoff that I'm finding it worth having waded through a lot of this stuff. 
yeah. from that standpoint, I would say that it was masterfully done, masterfully set up. So I liked that. Were there other scenes that were really impactful for you guys? Oh dear, maybe I shouldn't ask that question. <laughs> you guys are both making faces. Well, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I remember. Is that one of the stupid questions that I asked and you said <laughs> that you were going to make faces at me when it happened? I think I think the Mbot stuff at the at the end was the most emotionally impactful, but I thought there were plenty of meat and potatoes scenes, especially the interludes. I thought the interludes were the interludes were cool. There's were done this one very scene well. that I know is Ken's all time favorite and it takes place in the the when Spin is looking at her reflection and you see like Jorgen in the cockpit and they have this lovely moment of just Jorgen finally sees her and I know it's Ken's favorite. <laughs> Uh, wasn't that wasn't that in the middle of a dog fight too? Yes, yes. that Jorgen yes. just completely gives up fighting because that's exactly what Ken would do. He would stop fighting just because he saw the woman that he loves in like. reflection. <laughs> yep, she's here. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to. I'm trying to make myself cry on that one because I think that would be when I when I. When I saw it, when I read that in the novella, I was like, oh man, Ken's going to hate this. <laughs> I didn't, though. I didn't. I hate you guys right now. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, I don't even hate you guys right now. I'm, I'm, just... I'm not surprised. <laughs> it was um, fine. It was interesting because, I mean, we've seen something like that before where you, you can see somebody in reflection, but not in real life, in other science fiction shows or whatever so it was an interesting take on how you can cytonically speak i guess between the nowhere and the somewhere at least to another cytonic being i think jorgen has been set up to be very impactful oh yeah in the next book well Obvi he's an admiral now obviously yeah he's an admiral now whatever somehow, happened to cobb somehow we don't know something has happened to cobb uh, and it could have just been that he was not there you know, he could be, I don't know, in this, in this superiority stockade still. He could be, you know, in he control. He wasn't doing of, good, though, at the end of that. Was it um, Redon at the end of that yeah, novella? Yeah, at the end of Redon. When you find out that he's been replaced by yeah. whatever. By a diome? Yeah, whatever rep, like, replaced him. He wasn't doing good. So I could understand right. why. So Jorgen might have replaced him as Admiral. But. Yeah, but think about it. If all of the, you know, the 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 youngest, one of the youngest flights of all of the flights that are there, he winds up being promoted to Admiral. And he's only like 19. You, right. You have to sit there and I, I, I have to sit there and say to myself, how much trouble are they really in if they're promoting a 19 year old with less, less than a year's worth of combat experience and to be the Admiral? Yeah, this um, is what I'm saying. So it'll be interesting to see. And he's proved you know plenty of times that he is plenty competent in He's capable in being in command he'll follow the rules to the letter as long as he way. doesn't squeeze a red slug <laughs> red and black slug he'll probably be all right right and so i'll be interested to see what his part is in that and we've got we've got the framework of a new alliance to take on the superiority so yeah, what did you think about the so let's maybe we can transition into talking about the novellas just a little bit okay. you know we've we've kind of danced around them a little bit but the the novellas set up some really nice pieces that connect mm -hmm. and that keep the major framework of the story that that we followed at the very beginning moving forward what did you how did you like the novellas 
I loved the novellas. I liked them a lot. I liked that they added to the story without just kind of being space fillers. Yeah. So they're they're not. It's not important to read them in terms of the the main storyline. You can read the novels and still get still get the uh, the frame or the the, the storyline. Yeah. I might feel but differently with the last book though. Yeah. Like I read Cytonic without having read the novellas and was absolutely fine. But now having read the novellas, I'd be worried to read Defiant without having read the novellas. Yes. Of knowing what happened in the real world while Spin was in the nowhere. Yeah. yeah. It really, because it, it takes you from the moment Spin leaves, you follow FM's story. And then when FM's novella ends, you pick up with Alanique all the way back up to where Spin comes back. Yeah. So you right. get, you have that now know this is what everyone was doing while spin was in the nowhere doing her play fighting so right. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how they reconcile that i would like, recommend while you that, were like while you those. were busy being over there you know hanging out and playing pirate we were busy dying yeah that's so there's a really one of the one of the really powerful pieces for me from those novellas was uh fm dealing with survivor's guilt and yeah. her feeling up because we we got we got some glimpses of the fact that spin just kind of shuts down and tries to avoid mm -hmm. thinking about those kinds of things and um i i don't think it would have made sense i th i think her her journey in uh cytonic gives her a chance to explore some of that but fm's doesn't have that luxury she gets to do it right now and her exploration of avoiding avoiding connection um, trying to avoid getting connected with anybody because then you just have to watch them die anyway. Um, what a what a, a well-crafted storyline to run through. Um, and maybe I thought it was well-crafted because I've been uh, working with some of my friends who are veterans who struggle mm -hmm. with the idea that they've come home. Uh, how do you transition? Uh, how do you leave all of that behind? How do you connect? Um, and so for me, it was a very, uh, it was a very poignant piece of that story that was being set up. Um, I, I will admit that the, the comic relief of, and I've related, I've, I've mentioned it three times now. This is my last time. Uh, the comic relief of, of FM trying to tell Jorgen, don't squeeze the slug. I'm not <laughs> squeezing the slug. You're squeezing the slug. I'm not squeezing the slug. And then all of these cuts appearing on his face. Yeah, you were you were squeezing uh, this yeah, lug. <laughs> and then later on that joke keeps coming back. Don't squeeze them. Um we we get this it it's it's an evidence of uh some really good writing and I think Brandon made a really good choice of someone to bring on to help write these novellas. Mm -hmm. Um because they they were able, the the author and I can't remember her name. I Jackie apologize. Pa Patterson Jancy Peterson. Patterson? Jancy Patterson. Jancy, yes. thank you. Um, she she really figured out and and was able to um, mirror Brandon's style for this for this series very very well. Yeah. Um, it didn't feel oh, yeah. like it was. It didn't feel like a jarring change of mm -mm. writing style or a voice or any of those kinds of things. It was it was a very nice transition. It was a good way to bring two uh, secondary characters into more of a main. Uh, mainstream or main character or major character, I guess. Spence is the main character. So these are major characters 
but it, it it was a good way to graduate them to major character status so they have more importance i'm assuming coming yeah. up in the next book and honestly fm i think is just a fantastic character i think i love fm yeah the book just the novella just fleshes her out so well and does a great job of giving her business because really i mean she's just kind of a counterculture rebel <laughs> who is doing the she's going into the army to tick off mom and dad and then she comes to find out she actually likes it you know and and it's great and slug wrangler slug wrangler what did they call it she's the slug what, what the slug she, what welfare was, specialist the, yeah the slug it's the, well, welfare, it's the welfare the jordan calls her out it's like i didn't give you that job you, you gave that job you, to gave, yourself. Yeah, you took that job upon yourself <laughs> and i will be honest right now i think her and rig their their little cute love story is a lot more fun to me than Spencer's Okay, I was like, Jorgens. don't ruin this, Ken. No, I'm going to walk it's, out. It's believable. Don't there's ruin a, this. <laughs> there's a lot more enjoyable to me than Spence's and Jorgens. It's, I mean, I don't have a problem with Spence and Jorgen. I just think that Rig and FM are so much I think they're just more cute. adorable. Spence and Jorgen's love story is believable from a teenager remote romance kind of a city. But so is FM and Rig. Yeah. And keep in mind, these believable. are young adult novels yeah. from, so. a, from a teen standpoint. So I bought that too. Why do your slugs know how to get to each other so quickly? Oh, um. uh. <laughs> <laughs> no reason whatsoever. No one has <laughs> ever had to answer a question like that before, right? That was a great. <laughs> how do you have a key to her place? Why, why no. is it your slug that can get there so quickly? I don't understand this. We've been working together. <laughs> yeah. We've been Something working like on this problem are, together. That's all. They are you i love i just thought was this is one of those like humorous kind of i mean we've all been teenagers in love kind of thing like it was just funny and cute it's a cute little love story How is that number on your speed dial uh, <laughs> <laughs> so in and if if that was delightful i i have to say read on mm-hmm. i have this image of what this planet would look like with the floating trees mm-hmm. I'm I'm if there was ever a Brandon Sanderson series that I wanted to see made uh, for a reason, it's that that's the reason I want to see what that would look like constructed the buildings built out of living trees and all of those kinds of things. Oh, yeah. The imagery that 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 was done with that is so unique. I've not for for all the science fiction that I've read, I've not read. Uh, about a gas planet with, with the idea of the haze and everything the underneath that the will kill, or the miasma that the, will kill yeah, you that and, sits and, under and the... you still have and then you still have trees that are floating around and all that was really yeah. creative very unique I liked it a lot every time I think I've seen pretty much everything or a derivative or derivation of everything in science fiction Brandon comes up with something that is really <laughs> just unique at least the way he does it is unique. Like, for example, the race of smells from from Star <laughs> Sight. Yeah, yeah, the figments. I'm like, how do you come up with something like that? And then you had the crystal, the crystal aliens in yes. the nowhere. That are in the nowhere. Those were pretty cool. That I, yeah. that concept of that they grow into each other. Yeah, and, you know, and grow, grow into, into their, a, their the ships. Cockpit. Yeah, and, and the diones and everything. And they just and, break a piece off, and then they'll reconnect later. Yeah. It, okay. I'm just leave a little piece of myself everywhere I go. And he, he comes up with, and they're it's outrageous. The house. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're outrageous concepts and he makes them all work. He yeah. just makes them all believable. That is the mastery of Brandon Sanderson. So as I I, I think we've kind of come to the end of of the things that we had to discuss. Anything that you really feel like you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? Have you guys read Defending Elysium? Not yet. You got to read that. 
it was it was a not even a novella it was like a short story that brandon wrote 20 years ago i mean basically like before elantris was published while he was still trying to get somebody to pick up his novels or try to get into grad school and he just wrote this little short story while he was kind of trying to figure out where he was in life and all of that and it basically became the impetus for the Cytoverse, which is okay. where we're at now mm-hmm. and it even a lot of that stuff with with uh jason jason wright yeah uh, in the end of cytonic is all referenced back to oh, the first cytonic yeah that's... is all referenced back to defending elysium so jason wright is the main character in that in that uh short story good call so okay go back and read it. it's interesting and i i read it a couple of years ago something like that just because it's it's published on his on his website you can just go find it on on dragonsteel.com he's also publishing it as a short story you can buy it on amazon now it's got cover art that's similar to the Cytoverse covers okay, okay cool so i think that comes out next month next month being january something like that so good deal uh, but you can read it for free so and it doesn't take long an hour maybe mm-hmm. i might have an extra hour yeah in the midst of everything <laughs> else going on Stephanie, anything for you? Um, not that, not that comes to mind. We probably are going to have somebody yelling, "You didn't talk about Hesho enough." I mean, there's lots of stuff we really haven't talked about, but at the same time, I think more of it would be like we could delve into the the novellas on their own, and like more of the story of what happens, like the fact that Jorgen and Alanik have created this huge. Alliance, alliance this alliance yeah between their two people like they did some massive work with all and saving her her rebel people because she had her own little yeah. rebel group that yeah. was happening with that like everything that was happening all of the individual slugs and what the all the work they were doing in an fm story i mean there's a lot of little things i especially think in the novella like i feel like we talked about cytonic because really I, I don't know if there's be like these moments are these defining moments in Cytonic. We talked about like the two that are in there. Yeah. But we could delve into the novellas all on their own. But We do have another novella that's dropping. Yeah. Um, so maybe what we'll do is take a look at that third novella and then kind of reconvene and see if there's anything more that we'd like to talk about at that point. Maybe also uh, let's check the discord channel and see if there's things that people would like us to answer about uh, about this particular installment in the Cytoverse. <laughs> Discord. And ask, your, ask your questions. See how that goes. What do you think? Yeah. I'm very interested to see where Evershore fits because I think it was done on purpose that it is released after yeah. Cytonic. So I think it has to do with why is Jorgen an admiral and what's going on now that Spence is back. Yeah. Sort of or maybe what's going on with Mbot. Maybe, but I've, Cover art is Jorgen in an admiral vest. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's you, why I was like, from you the always voice somewhere. Nerf herder always is throwing stuff in on our radio channel. So thank you for keeping us focused. I think. I could have called you out so many times. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> is he bucking for admiral? Who put himself on the bench uh, for this episode? He did. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. did. And we love him for it. So, all right. Well, I think that's uh, that's our treatment of uh, of the cytonic. cytonic. <laughs> there we go. Cyto. I was going to say cytoverse, and then I was going to say one of the ne- 
that's our treatment of Cytonic. That's our treatment of the novellas up to this point. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll leave it open for a possible revisit and wish everybody a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.